Good morning, friends. It's good to be with you for worship uh, on this, this beautiful summer morning. Today is the second of our two-week mini-series, Finding Enough. And we'll have uh, a couple more of these, these two-week series through, um, over the next couple of months as uh, part of my doctoral project. Um, and the hope of these is to help us reflect together on um, what uh, a number of theologians in the church are calling an ethic of enough. Last week, we began this series exploring the parable of the rich fool, whose abundant harvest created a dilemma of what he could do with all of his stuff. So he tears down his barns to build bigger ones to store all of his stuff so he can sit back, relax, and enjoy himself. It was the seeking of joy and security in his possessions, his stuff, that causes God to step in and call him a fool. Following worship last Sunday, a number of us gathered in the fellowship hall to discuss this text and the idea of enough even further. And I'll be lifting up a few pieces from this discussion throughout the sermon today, so it'll really be an expression, I hope, of our voice, our shared reflection together of what it means to find and live out an ethic of enough. I invite you uh, to listen now, friends, with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together, picking up right where we left off last week from the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 22nd verse. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. In the film, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, the sequel to the classic film of the 80s, the protagonist is a young, gifted trader named Jacob. 
who happens to be in love with the daughter of the enigmatic star of the original film, Gordon Gecko. At one point during the film, Jacob asks an investment executive named Breton James a simple question. What's your number? The amount of money you need to walk away from it all, that is Wall Street trading, and live. He continues, see, I find that everyone has a number and it's usually an exact number, so what is yours? To this poignant question, James looks at him and simply replies, more. More. The very thing our culture has socialized all of us to want and to need. There are any number of theories as to why we want and need more. As Presbyterians in the Calvinist Reformed tradition, we might say theologically that our wanting of more is yet another manifestation of our sin and brokenness. That it's a system that we are both born into, but also one that we ourselves actively participate in and perpetuate. Or perhaps we want, perhaps we desire more because the world around us tells us that there's not enough. This, of course, speaks to the notion of scarcity, the very bedrock of market economics, which dominates supply and demand. In our dialogue session last Sunday, one person noted how the COVID pandemic brought out the worst in our fear of scarcity and our need, our desire for more. And we saw it, didn't we? We saw it in shortages of toilet paper and Clorox wipes. And then some as we hoarded what we wanted for ourselves without regard for neighbor because we knew there wasn't enough to go around. More recently, the realities of inflation have sparked this fear whether what we have will be enough to pay the bills and cover our life's necessities. When these fears of not having enough set in, very often we conflate that fear of there not being enough with we ourselves not being enough. It quickly becomes not only is there not enough, but in turn, that we ourselves are not enough as well. I think Jesus in our gospel reading this morning has a thing or two to say about this, about the scarcity-induced need for more and our fear that there's not enough, and in turn, that we are not enough. Following the parable we explored last Sunday, Jesus does something we don't always see him do, or very rarely see him do following a parable, he keeps talking about it. He explains it. He goes on teaching about it, telling his disciples not to worry about their lives, what they'll eat, what they'll wear, that God feeds sparrows abundantly, that God clothes the lilies more lavishly than even King Solomon in all of his glory. So how much more can we trust that God will take care of our needs, to clothe us, to feed us, to provide what we need to live and flourish? As Jesus helps to ease our fears of there not being enough, Jesus also speaks a word of affirmation to each of us, reminding us again and again that we are enough, that God loves and values us just as we are. 
Jesus also reminds us here how counterproductive worrying can be. It can't add a single hour to our lives. And one might even say that perhaps it can even take time away from our lives because of the role doctors say stress can play on our health. But here Jesus gets at another point that's often overlooked. But time is truly a precious asset, more valuable in many ways than money or possessions. Time is the one resource that we cannot generate more of. Yet so often we value money and things over time. Our friends in the minimalism and financial independence movements that I'm, I'm researching as part of my project highly value time. And I think provide a helpful alternative perspective here. Minimalists show how our possessions have this, this effect of dragging on our time because we need to spend it to take care of our things, not to mention our money and resources to take care of them as well. The financial independence community often notes how everything we buy, we essentially do so with our time. As our time is used to make money to purchase that item. Jesus, in these words here, reminds us to value our time, but also to value ourselves and the resources God entrusts to our lives. So friends, the tagline of this passage might very well be the beloved Bobby McFerrin song of old, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And it sounds easy enough, right? Our discussion group last week reflected that these words from Jesus not to worry, strangely enough, had the opposite effect. It makes us worry more. Because now we're not only worried about things like having enough food and clothing and life's essentials, now we're also worried that our worrying itself is letting Jesus down. We worry about having enough, and so often our worrying turns into desiring more. And those of us in the first half of our lives worry that there's, whether or not there's enough for us, for our children as well, to have a good life. While those of us in the latter half of our life worry that what we've saved, and whether that will be enough to sustain us as, uh, through our later years while uh, not being a burden on those we love and care deeply about. Friends, these words from Jesus, while challenging, seek to ease our worries. They seek to ease our worries by striving for a mindset, an ethic of enough rather than that of more. This is not to say that we shouldn't practice sound financial planning, budgeting, and so on. I think a gospel ethic of enough is one that cares deeply about the faithful stewardship of our resources and the things entrusted to our care. As we get to the end of today's reading, friends, Jesus offers his disciples an antidote, I think, to a culture of more which exists in this constant state of fear and worry. 
Jesus tells us that the key to freeing ourselves from worry is not by neglecting things like the proper financial management of our resources, but rather to sell possessions and give alms. Sharing our resources with neighbors around us who do not have enough. Such a practice is countercultural to a world that is set to the tune of more. Because giving is a bold witness to the world that I do have enough, but I see that my neighbor or my community is in need and doesn't have enough. So I'll share what I have with them and with my community. Jesus also tells us that such a practice of sharing our resources builds treasure in heaven. Now, I want to be very careful here with this sentence because so many over the years have taken these words to mean that we can build up treasure to get ourselves into heaven, that we somehow can earn it. As Christians and as those who read the Bible, we know that our salvation is not our own doing, but rather a gift of God's grace to us. Rather, what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching that treasure in heaven is set opposed to earthly treasure. Money and things can ultimately be stolen or lost. They can wither, they can rust. Animals can get into it and tear it apart. This is really what God tells the fool in the parable last week as he placed his hopes and security on his stockpile of grain. Our trust, our hope, our security, our sense of being cannot be in such things. When we give, when we share what we have with our neighbors in need, we build up treasure in heaven. Not because it'll get us into heaven, but rather because it'll make God's kingdom God's reign on earth just a little more present and visible here among us right now. My maternal grandparents were dairy farmers in central Michigan, and they had eight children by the time they were 30 years old. Needless to say, our family holiday gatherings were and still are wild, loud, and chaotic with hordes of aunts, uncles, and cousins all over the place. I remember growing up and going to their farm for the holidays with the elaborate spreads of foods which every household contributed to, just like a church potluck. No matter how many people showed up, there was always enough, and everyone was welcome, regardless of whether you RSVP'd for your new significant other or friend that had to join in at the last minute because they didn't have anywhere else to go. In this way, every Christmas felt like a loaves and fishes miracle of sorts. Everyone was fed, everyone had enough, and everyone felt as if they themselves were enough. Now, it wasn't until adulthood that I learned just how much my grandparents struggled financially throughout their lives, that they eventually lost their farm they worked so hard to build and keep up. Yet they were two of the happiest, most content and generous people you would ever meet. These holiday meals were symbolic of that. They were symbolic of their very selves. To me, my grandparents will always be the embodiment of Jesus' message here. Don't worry, there is enough. And you are enough. 
while the world around them constantly told them there wasn't enough, their actions and their love was a bold witness to the contrary. I'm guessing most of us can think of people and places throughout our lives where that ethic, that, that being, that mindset of enough over and against our culture of more was present. I hope we can think about those moments together and reflect on those as we, we seek to live out this way of, of having and sharing what we have with one another. But the place we all share, friends, where this ethic of enough is lived out is here at this table. Every time we gather at our Lord's table, we are reminded that there is enough and that we ourselves are enough. Because here at this table, the risen Lord meets us and feeds us here, strengthening us to go out and serve others, to share God's love, and to share what we have with our neighbors in need. Friends, Jesus' words here are so clear. Don't worry. Do not fear. There is enough, and you are enough. As we prepare to get fed at our Lord's table, may this feast embolden us to go out and feed others in his name, that all of God's children may have enough. Amen.